one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by John Cross of the Daily Mirror and Jonathan Northcroft of the Sunday Times. Barcelona are not at their best. Bayern won't play Arsenal every week. Real Madrid are probably favourites, but the Champions League is wide open. A tricky tie against Monaco, but John, could this be City's year? We we ask that every single year, don't we? I think... (laughs) Look, I don't think so, no. I do think I'm really encouraged by the progress that City are making just in the last few weeks under Guardiola. It seems to me that Guardiola's philosophy is really beginning to kick in. Where I think City will come unstuck against the better class of opposition in, in Europeans, uh, Europe's top stage, really, it is defensively. I, I feel that the goalkeeper is still a worry, a weakness. Defensively, they haven't shored it up. They are getting much better, and I like the balance in midfield. You're talking about sort of Yaya Torre now. I also think that his partnership uh, in deeper line midfield with De Bruyne is interesting. I think Silva's great, and going forward, fantastic. But still defensively, they, they worry me. And I feel sure that Guardiola will address it in the summer, mm. and they will become serious competitors, I think, both domestically and the European stage moving forward. But... For this season, I can't see it, no. Mm, I noticed uh, Otamendi's agent was talking up a move to Real Madrid. Mm. Good luck with that. Goodness me, yeah, I think he's lucky to be uh, lucky to be where he is. Uh, he's, he's, he's had a private battle with um, Funes Mori for the worst Argentinian centre-back in, in, <laughs> in history. For me, I, I, I don't see him as a player, but in, in fairness, he's, he's, he's done better recently. I do agree with John. I mean, going forward, there's a lot of talent there. I think it's a terrible shame that Gabriel Jesus is, is injured, actually, because he had the ability, I think, to make a real impact in, in, in the next tie in, in the competition. But there's still a lot of talent there at City. It just doesn't quite stack up at the moment um, in, in that sort of back four and, and, and goalkeeper area. What about Monaco? Is there any chance that they could be mm. underestimated? You know, City have been linked with half that team. They do it every year, don't they? They get young players in, really exciting young players. I'm just thinking, you know, this is a team that had Carrasco, you know, James Rodriguez in recent years, and now they've got this brilliant generation, um, you know, linked not just with City, actually, half the Premier League, Bakayoko, I think, linked with Manchester United, Bernardo Silva, and then Mendy and, and Tamar. Um, they've always been good at, and Anthony Martial was another one they had, they've always been good at getting the, the best young talent in France, they've also got links with a couple of prominent agents, which I think helped them to some, some European talent. 
Um, and they sell well. You know, I think some of these guys will come to the Premier League, but they'll come for the £50, £60 million pound fees. Well, the one they're talking about, John, is Kylian Mbappe, who mm. the new Thierry Henry, or the latest new Thierry Henry, uh, picked up much about him. Well, he looks an outstanding talent, and I think he's being compared to Henri because he's breaking records mm. in terms of goal, uh, young goal-scoring feats and also playing style. He's got pace, he's got power. Um, I mean, blimey, if he's got the confidence to, to match of an Henri as well, then you're really <laughs> talking about a talent because Henri never certainly lacked any sort of belief. I do think that... I would like to think you'll stay there a little bit longer because I do think under uh, Jardin they are making mm. such great strides. He's an outstanding isn't coach, isn't he? Yeah. He's mm. built a team that is so well balanced in terms of being able to create chances from midfield to, to attack. They, they move the ball so well. I think Tottenham were, were guilty of, of underestimating them in the, in the Champions League group stages. And I still look back and I think, well, if City are at their best, you know, Tottenham had enough chances maybe to do something. I think that's underestimating just what a good team that Monaco are. They've scored goals for fun and they create chances like no other team in Europe. They are the yeah. top scorers and that they are going to be a very difficult team for City to get past. And I'm, I'm amazed how he's reignited Falcao. Mm. I mean, the, the thought that that guy could have another scoring run like he's having 24 goals for the season, I think. Mm. Athletically, he's not what he was, but he's a great finisher and, and Monaco play to those strengths, create so many chances that, that uh, you know, play play some really, really sort of penetrating football. And I think, you know, anyone that can, can do that with Falcao, that's a mark of good coaching. What about in the summer? It seems that this is where Pep will put his mark on that squad, that team. Um, still a lot of talk about Lionel Messi and £100 million transfers and, you know, a million pound a week or whatever it's going to be. Hmm. Any credibility to that? I can't see Lionel Messi turning up at City for £100 million. I do still think Messi's a massive talent, but I do f just feel that he's at the top of the hill going over the brow of the hill in his career terms. When I looked at, the, at that penalty on, on, on Sunday night, it, it, this is a guy who's still a big game player because it might not have been the best or biggest opposition, but the pressure with a minute to go and to, to kind of take one step up and then absolutely whack it. The technique in that was astonishing. He's still an absolutely fabulous player. But I just think that Guardiola would be better served leaving that behind and, and building for the future. He's got three years at City, we certainly know that. And I just feel that moving forward, I think he needs to build a new team leave his Barcelona past in, in, with the best one in the world behind. I'm not saying Messi wouldn't be a wonderful addition, mm -hmm. but I just think to move forward and to create a dynasty and, and a legacy, I think that that would almost feel like sort of kind of City going back to signing the, the, the ageing superstars. And I know that Messi's still got so much more to offer, but I just think that if City are to move forward, and I think they've got great potential in Sterling and Sane, Gabriel Jesus as well, I just think they need to do, to do something with the full-backs. The full-backs yeah. are almost more important to me than signing any player like Messi because they are integral to, to what Guardiola wants from any team mm. and that everything starts yeah. with the full-backs. Well, there's a lot of talk about Mendy, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, Men Mendy, that, that's, that's a profile, isn't it? It's going to be somebody young, dynamic. You know, Danny Rose has been linked as well, Kyle Walker. Um, as John said, you know, you think of the great... Guardiola teams and, and they, they have that sort of Brazilian use of fullbacks where the fullbacks are really sort of athletic and, and, and penetrating players. 
Uh, I, I think though, I don't think Messi will come. Um, I think if, if there's one of those Barcelona big three that, that might be available, it's Neymar, it looks like. And I, for sure, I think City would look at that. But I, I'd expect that m more realistically, I know when Guardiola came to City, he, he said he needed 10 signings. Now I think he's only had five. But that showed that a year ago he had an idea of the areas he wanted strengthened. So I, I think it will be quite strategic. And I think he will move on to that, that sort of back department. And quite ruthless. You know, we've seen Very that with ruthless. Joe Hart. Aguero as well? Yeah, I, I think Aguero's coming just, to use John's expression, over the, over the brow of the hill, really. Um, this team just plays slightly better without him. Even though he can still score, he's, he's still you know, electric in bursts. I don't quite see it over a game at the moment, um, and the team looked better with Jesus in it. So if they can offload the wages, which will be the issue with him, you could go. Okay, Leicester, you've, read, you've written the book. Blame me. <laughs> Fearless. What is it now? Flops, I suppose. Feckless, I think it might be this season. You know, they're in Seville on Wednesday night. Wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, they're, they're facing a, a, a team with bags of energy, bags of attack and intent, uh, who themselves are on a bit of a sort of fearless run. And um, the Champions League's been keeping Leicester going. I know it's been keeping the fans going. They've had great trips, and Seville's another great trip. It's been keeping them going through a very dark winter. But I do fear that reality might bite them in this tie, as it did in their last group game, actually, in, in Portugal, when they got hammered by Porto. Um, I th and I don't think they can afford a humiliation either. You know, the, the, the seasonal stand or fall by the last 13 or 14 Premier League games now has come down to that. In some ways, they need to focus on just getting out of relegation. But if they go into it with the Champions League adventure ending in a you know, sour way, I think that's not going to do them any favours either. Yeah, because let's, let's be honest, John, they absolutely shriveled at Millwall mm. in the FA Cup. What does that tell you about what's been going on behind closed doors. What I thought was even more telling and incredibly damning was what Ranieri said afterwards mm. to raise the fact that his players had, had lacked the same desire and intensity and determination as Millwall players. Those sort of statements I think make a chief executive or a chairman sit up and take notice and go well maybe it's time then because the manager is, is effectively saying I can't motivate these guys because if you're sending those players out onto the pitch without enough motivation so that they can't match the opposition in, in those terms, then I'm sorry, those sort of statements get the manager the sack. And I think that this tie, this last 16 tie, has been saving Ranieri for weeks because you've always got the Champions League to look forward to. I think they've been hurtling towards relegation for, for some time now. Look, I think you can't get away from the fact they play, actually played quite well at Millwall in the first half, but in the second half, they were beaten by 10 men by a League One team. Mm. And that says much about Millwall's togetherness and unity, that when they went down, when they lost that player, they came together and showing the sort of spirit that, that, that Leicester lacked. And I think if they really get thumped by, by Seville, and then they basically also cannot rediscovering the next one or two games in the Premier League, then I think Ranier is facing the sack. Do you I, think you'll go? No, I, I don't actually. I think um, the, the owners have made a decision on that one, to be honest. They're very loyal people. You know, they kept Pearson when he was bottom of the league going in to April. Um, and they made clear over the last couple of weeks that he's staying, whatever. So uh, I think there's a case that he's doing badly enough to be lucky to still be there. But it's not going to happen. 
And it was interesting for me what Nigel Pearson said recently. A lot of these are Pearson players. And he, in his, he was interviewed recently and he said, the players have got to sort this out, the dressing room's got to sort this out, which was a double-edged comment, really, because it was kind of saying the manager ain't going to. But I think he was also calling out the players that he knows really well that they're just going to have to get on with this. And there has been a bit of a disconnect between the, the dressing room and the manager, I think, at Leicester. But the players are going to have to get over that. Because you, hear, you just, hear these stories. Yeah. Like on, on Saturday, you know, we, we're getting stories now that you know, the old lags at the back of the bus yeah. let, let the, the kids off first and the foreign players off first to get the welcoming committee from the Millwall fans. That tells me yeah. that something is fundamentally wrong. Well, did you see Morrison's comments? Did yeah. the Millwall striker about Ben Chilwell? Ben Chilwell didn't want to carry on taking the throw-ins. Because he found it too intimidating. That's really unusual. But he did him in cold blood, though. Didn't Oof, he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's hung him out to dry there. I mean, it is a damning remark. I mean, Chilwell's an outstanding young player mm. who, who's, you know, destined for a great career. But the the, the, the old head of Morrison has absolutely <laughs> killed him. And it, I'm, I'm sorry, but that reflected through Leicester's second half performance because they didn't want to know. I think Ranieri's upset the equilibrium, to, to, to my mind, of, of that yeah. of that togetherness in the dressing room with bad signings. Look, I know it's not all falling on him and, and the choosing of the players because obviously Leicester is sort of kind of many factions in, into who we sign and what they sign and, and, and what they go for. But there's no doubt about it. There's too many signings, too many bad signings. That that dressing room is, looks to me, it's, it's the clear for everyone to see that they're not fighting on the pitch. And I'm sorry, but that, that magic and that spark has gone. And it's it's basically leading them all the way back down to the Championship. That would be desperate, wouldn't it, John? Yeah. If we look at it, managers, you know, they take the plaudits. They're always you know, on camera, as it were. Pep Guardiola said an, an interesting thing about Arsene Wenger, about the virulence of the criticism and, and that lack of respect for you know, what we all agree is a fantastic football man. Yeah. Do you get that? And yeah. what impact do you think it's having on, on Arsene Wenger? I, I, I've read with, with interest what Pep said, because he has come from the outside, and I think it's worth listening to him, because I don't think he's got an agenda when he talks about Wenger. I think he's talking from the heart there. The problem is, though, that we're talking about a spectrum here. There has been some stuff that is very disrespectful to Arsene Wenger recently. There's been people gloating about his demise, and Wenger's always produced a strange set of emotions I think in English football because he's different there's always been people wanting him to fail I think there's always been people who've wanted Arsenal to be kind of shown up a little bit because they don't quite play as they expect and I think there's a lot of glee at the moment and he doesn't deserve that at all but I also think there's a lot of quite reasonable informed criticism from people who've backed Wenger for a long time from ex-Arsenal players from, from people who understand the club and I wouldn't like it all to be tarred with the same brush. Wenger's clearly upset. He's clearly riled at what's happened to him recently, and he clearly does care. Clearly does sort of take it to heart. But it surely is the point where he must be criticised now. Reasonable criticism. I think he deserves reasonable criticism. I think people have stayed off criticising him actually for quite a long time. But Pep maybe doesn't know that context. Don't want to write his obituary too yeah. early professionally. But how should he be remembered, John? Because obviously you know him really well, having, again, written a book on him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he should be re revered as a, a, as a trailblazer, as Arsenal's best and most successful manager they've ever had. Um, I think he's a fantastic uh, individual as well. I do think he's 
you know, isn't he? They have temper tantrums and, and so on. But he's also got a great sense of humour. I think he's he changed Arsenal Football Club, but he also changed the face of, I think, English football. He made it trendy to have a foreign manager when it was absolutely frowned upon and laughed at and people dismissed the very notion. Can you believe that? Mm. It was like a different world. But, but Wenger made that possible, I, I think, to my mind. He has gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with the greats, with, with first Sir Alex Ferguson, then Jose Mourinho. And I just think in that first 10 years, that's how I think he should be remembered. Unfortunately, obviously, the following 10 years wasn't just about winning trophies. It was also about building a new ground and, and trying to find their level at a new ground, but also trying to be competitive. And he did that, but he did that without perhaps necessarily winning trophies. So he enjoyed them for the first 10 years as, as the best manager that they've ever had. And the next 10 years, he shaped the biggest change in the club's history. And I think to kind of deride that is just wrong and disrespectful. However, having said all that, I do think it, it, it's a little bit stale now. and it, it just Is he ready it, to leave? In his own mind, is he ready to leave? I'm, I'm split on that. My view is that I think he, he probably will go. And I know that people around the club think he's going to go. Having said that, I think if he has a remarkable turnaround this season, does something incredible like winning the FA Cup or finishing second or third, then I still think that he might be tempted to change his mind again. But the problem that you've got is that so many of the fans have changed. And even the Wenger loyalists, I think, even if he went out with a glorious farewell this season, I still think even they would say, well, that's a great, that, that should be the point where he says goodbye. And if he stays on another two years, I think it would be a mistake because it would go nuclear and it would be poisonous and toxic. And that would then destroy the leg legacy and the memories. Mm. He wants to manage. Mm. He says he's going to manage next season. Where? Well, there's an obvious club that, that you know, he, he's always seen the tune to in Barcelona that may have a vacancy. Enrique's in a bit of a tailspin there. Um, and it's not too outlandish because... You know, he brings great calm and, and, and authority, which is what, you know, a club in troubled times would need. He also is just fabulous at working with ball players and, you know, the passing game. So there's a lot that he would he would fit with Barcelona. Um, and, you know, he's he's going to want the big challenge. He's not, if, if Arsene Wenger moves on to something else, it's, you know, it's not going to be sort of West Brom or something like that. He's going to want to, <laughs> he's going to want to do something at the top. So that's, that's I, I could see that kind of thing. I don't think he... He's never given the impression of fancying international management, so I think I think it'll be a club job. Mm. Um, PSG is the other obvious one, but they're doing rather well at the moment. So, yeah. What about Jose Mourinho? You know, he's talking about a new deal at mm. Manchester United already, which to me tells me he feels secure in his surroundings. You know, a job only just in the early stages of being done. What's your take on how he's attacked the whole Man United job? Well, it's taken him time, actually, um, and now it feels like there's a momentum and it's almost like a juggernaut <laughs> moving in one direction and it's looking ominous and I think very impressive too um, for, for United. But I still think he's sort of a pragmatist and I still think he'll get results playing his way and his, his, his brand of football. I think that he is making great strides and... He just seems happier in his own skin, whereas I thought he was bitter at the start of the season when, when 
when results weren't necessarily going his own way. But it's probably th- more recent than that, the last sort of yeah. six weeks maybe. You yeah, know? yeah, I think, I think it has been a, a change around. I mean, they, they did seem stuck almost, it felt like, in mid-table for, yeah. for, for two or three months yeah. because they made a bit of an indifferent start and it was taking a while to get going. I still feel that the, the, the squad probably and the team needs a bit of surgery and I still yeah. think they can strengthen a lot. But if you can get two or three in in the summer... I still think they can finish top four this season. That That's in front of them. Definitely they can, because their, their recent results and their run has been impressive. Next season, I think, having having badly tipped them again, my punditry skills useless, <laughs> hopeless again, but I thought they'd win the league this season because of Mourinho factor. I definitely think they'll be in the mix, mm. properly in the mix next season, if you can do the right business. And got a nice, quiet little FA Cup quarter-final. Uh, yeah. Manchester United at Chelsea. Goodness me, I yeah, know. Um, and, you know, that was his worst day as Manchester United manager was undoubtedly that day at the bridge where you wondered where it was all going for him. Um, there'll be a few psychological tricks. In fact, he's already talking about it, isn't he? He's already saying, well, Chelsea have already won the league. They've got nothing else to look at except this FA Cup. And yada, yada, yada. Exactly, you know, it's all started. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's not a Mourinho team yet. That's what, I'm quite impressed with it because I think what he's done is he's put his winning mentality into the side it's taken a while but he's you know keynote signings like Zlatan and Pogba have helped him do it and they've now got that thing that you associate with Manchester United mentally it doesn't look to me yet like a Mourinho team in the sense that they're not his players Mourinho teams are always power and pace you know really physically overwhelming sides and I think United still at the least in the running stats, I think there's quite a few sort of slower players. I think you'll if you look at the signings he's looking at. It's kind of big, athletic midfielders and maybe another centre back. So I think the spine will get stiffened a lot more next season. It'll be a lot more of a powerful team. So the fact that he's been able to do what he's done this season without really, you know, his kind of design. I think next season you'll see the real Mourinho team. And uh, at one point I wondered if there'd be a next season for him, but. Yeah, as John said, it's going in, in a certain direction and it's a pretty successful one at the moment. What about Chelsea? League, uh, league and Cup double coming up? I think they can do it. I think it'd be a great thing for, for Conte to, to target. I mean, absolutely all day long they'll be champions because I just think they're the best team in the Premier League. They're the best prepared team. Their level of performance is great. They're so hard to beat. They've scored goals. Their creative players are playing at their, at their best and playing really, really well. He's a great man manager. I think he's terrific, Conte. I've absolutely fallen in love with the fella. Mm. And um, I just think if you set a target, why not be ambitious? I thought they were really impressive at Wolves. And I think, I think basically, if you want to kind of do something a little bit different, a little bit extra, that, that winning that Premier League and FA Cup double is not quite the achievement it was <laughs> back in the day in the sort of the, you know, sort of the 70s and 80s when it, when it seemed that extra special. I still think it defines a team as being yeah. extra, bit 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 different, and and kind of really going that that extra yard. That everyone wins the sort of the, the Premier League, but to win the double, I think is still something really special. And I think Conte's got that within his his squad and his abilities. Mm, talking about you know all our yesterdays, mm. Johnny, the FA Cup. Reports of its demise have been grossly exaggerated, haven't they? I thought they? the weekend yeah. was fantastic. Yeah. Let's look at Lincoln. That's oh. just a wonderful story, isn't it? Isn't it? it it's, it, it's from heaven, that story, isn't it? It's just read, remind us what that competition's about. And, you know, they've been turning over good sides. They've been turning over tough sides 
you know, they, they, they play some, a, a blend, I think. I think there's some very sort of clever coaching ideas in there. You can see how well their set pieces are sort of worked out, but they're using a few old school players as the well. The big boy up front. The big lad up front and, and, and mixing it in that old school way, which tells me that, the, you know, the, the Cowley brothers are, are, are clever fellas because they know where the strengths of that team is. They've added their, their sort of ideas to it. And they've gone to places like Burnley, you know, that that's the, maybe the toughest Premier League side in terms of work rate and mentality and so on. And they've they've outdone them there. You know, they've they've, they've won ties over two legs, as it were, with, with mm. Ipswich. It's brilliant. Totally deserve where they are. I'm fascinated to see where those two brothers are, are going in their careers because they've done well at other smaller clubs as well. Yeah, because it is, management is a fashion business, isn't it? Mm. And, you know, they will get offers because of this. Where would they be best suited? Sort of an ambitious League One club or something like that? Yeah, I could see that, actually. Just because it, they, they, they seem to have a different dynamic, don't mm. they? It's a different approach to, to manage and management. And I think it would take just a bold and someone different in, in, in League Two, or I don't want to be disrespectful, or League One, just to sort of say, look, you know, come and, come and work with our football club, basically. It's definitely because of that kind of partnership and that and that ideal. It would definitely take someone with an idea um, and try to do something different at that football club. You have to say, I say League Two. Why would you kind of you wouldn't give up on that on their current mm. job? I don't think unless you were making a sizable step up because it's clear they are building something decent. At, at Lincoln, aren't they, as well? It's amazing. It's a brilliant dynamic, isn't it? Mm. The, the brothers. I mean, I, I interviewed the Cooman brothers last year, and Ronald made the point that, you know, as a manager, you, you, there's very few people you really feel you can trust because it's so cutthroat. So you need someone you can trust, but you also don't need a yes man. You need somebody that can tell you you're wrong. And your brother's exactly that person, isn't he? Mm. You, you can you, you can see how that really works. Didn't maybe work so well for Martin Yall. I think he tried it with, <laughs> with co cocky Yall. But uh, yeah. but the Coomans, it really works for. And you can see there's a slightly different character with the, the two Cowley brothers. Um, so maybe that'll be the next fashion. Mm. Right? Yeah, fashion. yeah. And, you know, if we're talking about managers, you know, people, we talked about Barcelona mm. earlier on. You know, uh, Pochettino is being mm. mentioned in dispatches for Barca as well. Uh, first things first for Tottenham, They've got a great FA Cup tie on the horizon, but they've got to end that Wembley hoodoo yeah. against uh, Ghent uh, on Thursday. What's what's about there? Because it doesn't doesn't seem to add up. I think there's. I, I do think it's become such a problem that it, 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 it is no doubt about it in my mind. It's almost psychological because they haven't won the FA Cup now since since '91, and they've lost six semi-finals since. <laughs> But we always laugh, don't we, and say, well, Tottenham are a good cup team. Well, not lately they haven't been. I know they've won the League Cup since then, but I, I, it is strange, and I think it plays on the players' minds. I think they're partly to blame themselves because I think they did do a bit too much resting and rotating um, in the Champions League, whereas I th thought they should have just gone out and tried to win the games. And I think it was so important for them to make that next step through the Champions League into the knockout stage because they've lost a little bit, I think, in, in that season. And Pochettino, in fairness to him, has recovered it quite nicely, thank you. But I think it was clear that Pochettino thought it was so important that they won at Fulham that he's, he's dispatched the kind of the notion of going under strength, gone full strength, and I fully expect him to, see, to do this, exactly the same on Thursday night to say, look, there's no 
room for complacency <coughs> here. We absolutely have to go and win. And I think one really morale-boosting win, when it really matters, I think at Wembley, will hopefully put all that to, to one side and kind of lift the mood again. I think it's so important that Spurs win on, on, on Thursday night to rediscover some kind of momentum and form because everything's in front of them. They can go and win the Europa League and they can go and win the FA Cup. And I do think that, obviously, everyone, I think, would fancy them finishing the top four. This is such an exciting season for them. But they have to come, overcome that Wembley hoodoo. And they're starting with a win on what, Thursday night. Mm. As John said, confidence is going to be really high. And that does tell you that players want to play. Yeah, it does. Um, but Spurs, Spurs, to me, are a, they're a young team, young manager, brilliant promise but they haven't won anything yet they haven't actually succeeded in the really big moments and, and you think of the league last year saw them at Liverpool a week and a half ago big moment for them failed there done it in the Champions League so I think until they get over that hurdle I'm not saying they can't but they haven't done it yet and Pochettino himself hasn't done it quite yet as a manager either uh, until they do that I think there'll be questions in their mind um, great, uh, great appetite yes I want to play but let's let's see them do it. I think I think that's 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 for me the question about Spurs, because if they can't do it this season, can't win one of those competitions and finish in the top four, I think they're going to need something else. Maybe a couple of experienced players just to help that brilliant talent they've got along. That's something on the pitch that Mourinho brought when he brought Zlatan. You know, cause I, I just wonder if 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 there's quite enough nous in that team at the moment. Mm. We've got Zlatan at Wembley on Sunday in the first final of the season, League Cup final against Southampton. Mm. I think it's 10 seasons now he's scored more than 20 goals each season. How long can he go on? Well, I, I just think it's phenomenal. I, without doubt, um, next season as well. Mm. It was interesting, when he was flirting with, with Manchester United, when he was still at PSG last season, he was making it absolutely clear, age is just a number, I'm getting better with age. Mm. And we all thought, oh, we'll know about that. But look at his goal return. Mm. He's absolutely <laughs> quality. And you, you're right. It's, it, and he will love Wembley, won't he? Well, it? he will love Wembley. And Manchester United go to Wembley. But it's almost like a sideshow. This is Latan. It's basically, you know, I am Zlatan at Wembley. Forget Man United. Zlatan can take centre stage. He's that good. He's just fantastic. He's exactly what... United needed. He's a megastar in the Cantona mould, yeah. isn't he? He's taken them again. He's lifted the club. He's an inspirational sign, an inspirational player on the pitch. He can score big goals under pressure. I, I just can't see him finishing anytime soon. He's magnificent. He's great for the Premier League to have a fully-fledged megastar as well. Talking of megastars, mm. Wayne Rooney. Now, it looks like he's got um, dentistry problems, yeah. hasn't he? So he might miss this game. Hmm. Still a lot of talk about him going to China yeah. sooner rather than later. Do you think that will happen? I think oh, it's a possibility, definite possibility. Um, whether sooner, I still think, I think he'd like to finish the season at United. Ideal world for him, he goes in the summer, does something in the summer, whether it's China or somewhere else. But if money talks enough, maybe, maybe. maybe. I'd, like, I'd like to see him in this game. I'd like to see him... As a captain, getting you know, get another trophy for for them. I think he's been through a lot and, and probably deserves a bit more respect than he's had this season. And and I think he's played an important role in the squad too. But long term, he can't he can't sit on the bench. 
Yeah. Um, and thought of being with China, I have spoken to people around Wayne and, and thought of being a pioneer, the thought of being somebody that blazes a trail there might just might just appeal. And he's got a big sort of following in China already. He's always been popular there. I've seen him on Man United tours. I think they, they've always responded to the, the fighting spirit as they've seen it of, of Rooney. So it's not as outlandish a possibility as putting some English players together with China. For him it might just fit. Mm. If it's make your mind up time, Southampton, mm. I've always been impressed by Romero. I think you know, Chelsea probably let him go too early. Mm. Are they good enough to beat United in a one-off game? I think they can beat United in a one-off game. I don't think they will. I think United will just have too much experience and nows for them. I think the fact that United play Wednesday rather than Thursday is quite significant and does them a major favour. Why can't we do that with, with <laughs> you know other games and other clubs? I think it's a bit of a shame, but it's a, it's a fantastic lift for United. That Poyle's really interesting because I don't think that he initially convinced me and I don't think Southampton were I think Southampton were a little bit nervous about who we pointed here but you can certainly see his take he's really sort of his methods are taking shape and I think he has improved them I think since they've reached the final again I think they've slightly taken their off the ball on in particular games but he is making a difference and I think he is he's improving them and I think they can I I I you know, I think they can give United a really strong game, but I have to say I do fancy United. So it's United for you. What about you, Johnny? Can Gabi Gabbiadini play? Can he? He's a tremendous addition yeah. for them. I think he gives them a chance. Yeah. I think he gives them a chance. But United would be where my money would be, especially with Van Dijk not being there. as Latin factor. But Puel will try and keep it nil-nil and try and nick something. And and if you know if if they can make the chances, Gabbiadini could do it for them. Fence setting, but it'll be United. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just wonder, is history trying to tell us something? Cast your mind back. 1976 FA Cup final. Man United, heavy favourites. They lose 1-0 to Southampton. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.